0: Celebrity Let your weary Mind
1: be free And someone kind of famous Who you can't see It's time for Sleeping With Celebrity Hello heads And welcome to Sleeping With Celebrities. I'm John Moe I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight on our show for one bedtime. I don't want them to bring their A game, but rather their Z game. It's a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Felicia Day, and she's going to talk with me about gut issues. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show here on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, I mean to tell you something right now. This marks another week of celebrating co-ops at Maximum Fun which is itself a co-op. This week, Maximum Fun will be highlighting other co-ops that work in the arts. As you may know, the past few years have been challenging for folks in creative fields, and Maximum Fun, along with lots of other companies, believe co-ops are best suited to meet these challenges. So, all this week, MaxFun will be sharing interviews with fellow co-op members on its website and social media channels. On Friday, October 20th, head to Maximum Fund's YouTube channel to see interviews with co-op members from Defector and Stocksy. And next week is Volunteer Week, so you can learn how to get involved with that. And live streams and other Co-Optober happenings at MaximumFun.org slash co That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. And now for our guest, Felicia Day. I could describe Felicia as an actor, writer, producer, or best-selling author. And she is all of those things. However, a more accurate description would be pioneer. You see, Felicia influenced internet culture before influencing was even a thing. She created and starred in the acclaimed web series The Guild, which ran for six seasons and racked up over 300 million views. She also happens to have over 100 IMDb credits, because, as I mentioned, actress. Felicia has three podcasts. Her solo podcast is called Felicitations. And she is the creator and star of Third Eye, a new audiobook on Audible. Felicia, welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities.
0: Thank you so much. I'm feeling some already.
1: You know, I like to start these conversations with a question or two about sleep. What is the best night of sleep that you ever had?
0: Probably uh, accompanied by a Xanax. Uh. I don't use it often, but uh, I had severe sleep issues when my child Mm. was born, and she basically didn't sleep more than two to three hours Until she was two. So it was very disruptive for me. And I actually learned that I become pretty mentally unstable when I don't have big sleep. I was always a big sleeper as a child. So when my sleep's interrupted, it definitely affects my ability to function. So I, you know, after she started sleeping at two, I couldn't sleep for a year I continued to have insomnia and I had to seek a lot of help to figure out how to fix that and one of my doctors gave me Xanax I didn't take it very often I would take like a little half every 10 days or something it was not a solution so uh, but it did give me the sleep that I had not had for years and so I think those first couple nights where I was able to sleep were the most precious. I don't think I sleep as heavily as I did when I was a child. I just remember being able to just go away for about twelve hours, and I miss those times. Uh, nowadays, I have regulated my sleep in details I could go into ad infinitum because I do love talking about how I deal with my insomnia issues. But um, you know, it's it's not a continuous sleep, but it's satisfying enough, and I'm my mental. My mental state is is stable, and that's all I needed to get to.
1: And how good of a sleeper is your child now?
0: She's a good sleeper now. So I figured out that once she got all of her teeth in, she slept through the night. So I think she's just hypersensitive to pain and Mm. was teething for two years. Once she got those molars in, she sleeps, you know, Through the night. Unfortunately, I couldn't figure that out for another year. So it was Mm. a lot of trying everything, CBD oil, uh, all sorts of diet things. I I ended up having to take a low dose of Lexapro and that, that really did save my life.
1: What is one weird trick that the doctors don't want you to know about sleep? that you can give as advice to our sleepyhead listeners
0: wow that's really interesting I think that the sad part is that a lot of their advice is true like if you stop Mm. drinking caffeine you will sleep better I personally am super reactive to sugar so when I stopped eating any sugar after like noon I was able to definitely um calm my body down in a way that I didn't know and no one had told me that before so yeah, I, let me tell you, I tried it all. I tried and yeah. and I, you know, I, I'll try anything once. I did try a weed gummy once, but having never done drugs, I took half of a gummy, which is legal here in California. A friend sure. had advised me, this is the brand you need to take. I went in, felt like a criminal, bought the gummy, took a half of one. And I was so anxious about what felt to me being illegal and doing something (laughs) because I couldn't sleep all night
1: (laughs) even though you bought it in a store legally
0: legally yeah no completely legal I was so upset about myself because it felt like I was breaking a rule and I'm such a paladin when it comes to rules so I couldn't sleep and I never that was literally my only encounter with any illegal not illegal substance it's a legal (laughs) substance
1: I think you use the word paladin more freely than most people do. It's probably more part of your vocabulary. What does that word mean?
0: It means someone who's really, really, really adheres to uh, the structure and the rules of things. And, you know, um, as someone who's a pioneer, I do. I mean, you referred to me as one. And I sure. I do randomly like breaking rules, but... And in in one way, especially creative, with my creativity, I love breaking rules. With my day-to-day behavior, I am like, I'm a a full stop at at four, a four-way stop kind of girl, you know? Mm. And it's weird because I am kind of, I like a plain vanilla sundae. I like a cheeseburger with nothing else on it. So I'm really very square when it comes to a lot of things, very paladin-like. But then when it comes to my creativity, I'm I'm like a rogue. That's where I go rogue.
1: That's where you're a thief and a, a necromancer of some sort. Oh, I like it. When you're at a four-way stop, do you waive other cars to go ahead of you even though they got there later? No, no, no.
0: If you don't know okay. the rule about who goes first, you're a bad person, okay? All right? Okay. So, yeah. No, I'm a rules. It's for me and other people, too. You figure it out, okay? Go back to your manual. Right. Figure it out. right
1: return to classes, fire up the simulator. Exactly. And practice if,
0: I, if I beep at you in a affectionate but admonishing way, you need to go back to school, okay? Take that okay. As, a, as a sign.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Let's talk about guts. How are your guts doing today?
0: Thank you for asking, John. This is really exciting because as a, I think, I would say I'm middle-aged in that I hope I live twice as long as I am now. You know? Mm-hmm. I hope I live longer. Most of my relatives who are women have uh, lasted until like their 90s, a couple of hundreds. So long lived on one side, but the other side, maybe not. So I don't know. I'm just hoping uh, that I get, I have my faculties until I end. So as a, as a self-professed middle-aged person, I'm really excited to talk about ailments um, because I got them. And and at a certain point, you're going to be ruled by them. And it's all about sort of, monitoring maintaining your body and your mind in as optimal a condition you can as you can because it's all going downhill so mm. i have actually had gut issues and digestive issues and acid reflux issues since um probably for about well probably my whole life i'm a very body unaware person and so i think that i never really realized that a lot of the things I would eat, I remember getting stomach aches a lot. And when I ate mushrooms or onions, there'd be problems, but I never was educated in any way to be like, hey, that's an issue we need to deal with, or maybe you need to avoid these foods. So I kind of self inflicted myself with harm, food wise, for a long time. And then I got a little proactive about it, because my acid reflux uh, during the time when I ran a company called Geek and Sundry, got so bad that I literally uh, would lose my voice whenever I talked or spoke. I went to the doctor, and they were like, "Wow, you have such bad acid reflux. We think you have Barrett's esophagus, which is this terrible thing where you have you wear out the inside of your esophagus." I didn't end up having that, um, but doctors wanted to operate. They wanted to do big things, and I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 what's going on here?" So I started educating myself and. Turns out I've got a lot of issues, and I will go into all those issues one by one. I will, I will speak over you for an hour about them because I'm so passionate about my own gut, okay?
1: I, I think this is outstanding. Is this a topic that you get to speak with anybody in regular life, or do they all say, please stop it?
0: No. You, know, you can always find – here's my theory, about, at least about the parties and gatherings I go to. There's always going to be one person I could talk about fallout with and there's always one Mm -hmm. person I could talk about acid reflux with because I think that our our, obviously our modern diet I think inflicts this problem on a lot of people this is not Mm -hmm. uncommon and I personally think a lot of us are maybe gut unaware and Mm -hmm. we eat a lot of things that are processed that are fried we have some sensitivities to food that maybe we're unaware of that sort of puts our body on a sort of downward spiral I know that you know I, I have gone to allergists. I don't, I'm not quote unquote allergic in a immediately reactive way to anything but a couple of ambient plants. But that does not mean that I don't have food sensitivities, which I never understood the intricacies of before. And I'm now diving into and trying to like figure out what works for my body and not. So, you know, eventually you can get back to a place where you're healing your insides a little bit better. And I do want to point out that there are people out there who might be like, whoa, Felicia, you're from LA, you're going woo-woo, okay? I get it. And if you guys have any questions about your gut, please consult an actual doctor because I've done that. I also work with a naturopath and a dietitian and all of that stuff. So anything I say could be absolute BS. And I want you to pick it apart. But I also want you to be aware that whatever you're going through health-wise, there is a solution And just keep seeking out people. If it's not one doctor, it could be another. It could be a naturopath that at least gives you a hint to something you take back to your real doctor. So I just will say, don't believe woo-woo, but also don't be ignorant to other ways to explore your problems in order to have solutions that are scientific and fact-based, okay?
1: That sounds reasonable. Well, what are some things that you want people to know about based on the, the research and learning that you have done into, into guts?
0: Well, your guts are, again, easily upset, all right? And it could affect, and your, and your gut microbe, and I am not an expert on any of this, but your gut microbe affects your brain and your body in ways that scientists are now exploring. This is a, a whole new branch of exploration how if your flora, of your body is messed up, that actually can affect your mood and how your brain works and depression and anxiety. There's a lot of research into this area. Again, I can't cite facts in this area. This is something you could take to your, you know, on your own and do some thorough research. But um, what little I've seen is that everything is connected. And because our worlds are so sanitized and also so hyper-processed, that sometimes our interior flora can get very messed up and off balance, and that can affect the way we digest and process food. So recently, I've had these issues for a long time. I worked on my acid reflux about 10 years ago. I had to take a pause. I was like, I have to get my body And in in order, and I do believe my anxiety and my gut health are connected, whether one causes the other. I know that when I started Lexapro, my acid reflux did get better. It didn't get rid of it because I have food sensitivities that I know make my body react in certain ways. And that's something I'm really trying to nail down because after I turn 40, I know this, that I have some intolerances that are new. And so I feel like I'm kind of rebooting, but I will say that I when I was like, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, I kind of took the pause and I was trying to do IVF actually try to get pregnant. And I was realizing there were a lot of things in my life that were not functioning well. And the mental stress that I was under was affecting my body. And that was affecting the way I was able to carry a child. So I took like six months off. And I went to yoga and dance and I practice self-care and I started meditating and I did an Ayurvedic cleanse, which is a lot of BS probably, but at the same time, the two weeks that I ate only lentils and rice and some vegetables three times a day to prepare for this cleanse that included a lot of weird stuff that I didn't know I was paying for, but I was just like, let's go for it, actually cleared up so much of my health problems. And then when I started adding back foods, I was able to see what things I was sensitive to, like sugar, and tomatoes, and eggplants, and all this whole list, red meat, all this whole list that set my stomach off because I had brought it to a more neutral place. So whenever I have gut problems, sometimes I go back to a, a rice and lentil diet for a week. And it's not like I'm starving myself. I'm not doing some weird juice thing that has no protein, you know, I was perfectly fine. I didn't lose that much weight, but I didn't feel ravenous and my stomach was able to process stuff in a better way so i did that do you want to interject because i could literally talk another hour about this
1: (laughs) what's an ayurvedic cleanse sleepyheads i wish to tell you about another program here on the maximum fun network where we have the maximum amount of fun Let's Learn Everything is a podcast where you learn about science and a bit of everything else. Topics like the science of perfect pitch, the history of pride flags, and speed running video games. All three hosts of this podcast are scientists, real scientists. Tom studies cognitive and computer science but can also teach you about intermediate emojis. Caroline did their master's in biodiversity conservation, and she'll give you an intro to things the British Museum stole. And Ella has a PhD in stem cell biology, which makes her eminently qualified to teach you what you need to know about fan fiction. Tune in to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. What's an Ayurvedic cleanse?
0: It's an Indian thing called panchakarma that I was doing. Of course, yes, I'm in LA. But Mm. my friend who has lupus swears by this, it's Surya Spa in LA, very fancy. And they do this Ayurvedic process, which is an Eastern medicine practiced by India. I'm not gonna go into details because I'm gonna sound ignorant. Anyway, I did this cleanse because I was doing IVF. I had implanted embryos. They were not working even though they were graded A and it was just my body being so stressed out I couldn't I couldn't carry them. And mm. I was it was very, very devastating after like a three year process of trying to have a child. So I was like, I'll try anything. And so I signed up for the seven day cleanse where i went you know, i was supposed to go to the spa every day and get all these things done all day to my body and the part of the prep for this thing called Panchakarma is to do kichari every day for your meals so it's essentially kichari it's like uh um it's it's lentils and rice so you can make it either together or you can mix it together you could put there were like a list of five vegetables you could put in there like butternut squash or um, a couple of other things. And so it's, I guess the, the pre. and believe me, I could have saved the money on the spawn, just done the lentil thing, I believe, because I don't think people yeah. rubbing me with oils or getting weird enemas, which I was not aware of before I went in there. But anyway, I don't believe any of that actually. Surprise. It was definitely a surprise. I gotta tell you, I was, when they brought that in, I was like, excuse me? But I had paid so much money that I couldn't say no. So I was like, okay, let's go here. I will not do it again, but I did experience it, and that is enough. Anywho, uh, I will say that the kachari, and there's a certain um, thing of spices that you can get to put in it, and its I will tell you it's delicious, and you can, in fact, eat it for every meal and not lose a lot of weight but feel amazing. I would forget I was hungry. I was like, oh, I didn't eat dinner, which never happens to me because I felt mm. full and satisfied all day. So this is my weird diet. I mean, it's not like a watermelon cayenne diet, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't feel very healthy to me. It had all, all the things I needed. And so when I uh, go out and I have fried chicken or something, and I'm like, oh, that did not settle well, the, for the, maybe the next day or something, I'll have this lentils and rice, and then it'll really resettle my stomach. So that's what I want to gift to you guys, okay? Um, it's warm, it's satisfying, it's filling, and it's delicious. So there you go. You can make it an instant pot or a rice cooker. Very easy to make, too.
1: So that's the kachari?
0: Yeah, that's the kachari.
1: And then, so it's lentils. And rice. And what else do, and rice. Yeah. And do I need, how do I prepare it? What do I need to do?
0: Well, you can make it separately. You could just make the rice separately and then make the lentils, three cups of water to one cup of lentils. You could get the kachari spices online. I got them on Amazon, but you can go to your local Indian store. And then there's a list of vegetables that I was allowed to put in there if I wanted to kind of spice it up. I know there was butternut squash and um, some kale were the two that I used. And you can just mix those in at the end. Or you can look online and get a kachari recipe where you make the lentils and rice together. For me, that's easy too. You There's recipes online. You can make those in an instant pot very easily. Just mix the lentils and rice together, cook it up, or put it on the stove. Um, I know you could also make it in a rice cooker. So you could have it ready in a second, and you just throw it in there, rinse it, and put it in. Very easy, very filling, and my kid loves it. I made it for her as a child. I pre-prepared it in little uh, frozen little containers, and she ate it and now loves eating lentils. She'll have lentils, Mm. I send them to school, and I'm like, this is great, it's very healthy for her. And she loved it as a baby, just mixing those lentils and rice together without the spice, by the way. She doesn't like the spice.
1: So going to this spa on a regular basis and having the kachari and and everything else, did that solve your problems or did that set you on a course to solving your problems?
0: It, it gave me the awareness that I was I, I had diet-based issues and my my stomach did not like a bunch of things, and I had GERD. I was diagnosed with GERD, which is sort of... Um,
1: What's GERD?
0: It's gastroesophageal. I don't know. It's it's a stomach thing. So basically, ah. you have to be super careful about what you eat, and there's a whole list. Low FODMAP, which again, I don't remember the acronym because I'm put on the spot. I, I'm not an expert here, okay?
1: gastroesophageal reflux disease.
0: That's it, exactly. So that's what I was diagnosed with by the gastroenterologist after an endoscopy that proved that I didn't have Barrett's esophagus, but I did have a reflux problem. I also have a little uh, I have a, a lazy flap. So the flap that covers the esophagus from the stomach is a little ill-formed, so it's just kind of primed to let acid back up in my throat, which is not great. So if I eat even a little off, I'm probably going to get reflux and I need to either deal with that with medication or, you know, just compensate later to try to calm my stomach down. So I already, and I also have a hiatal hernia. And those are things they can't really solve except for like major surgery. And the doctor did not recommend that because it wasn't severe enough. So he was like, you can manage this with diet. Be smart about what you eat. So yes, I will say the week of Parchapanchakarma, I've never done it again. At the spa but I eat kachari often um, that did lead me to a path where I did a lot of self-care for six months I implanted my daughter uh, my embryo that worked after doing all of that and it actually worked so it did pay off for me um, that relaxation the de-stressing cutting back from work doing more self-care with my health you know reducing inflammation and stress I think probably did it all and then identifying like okay you can have a pizza, but have it at lunch and know that the next day you need to eat really careful. So it's all a checks and balances with my stomach. And I was fine until this last year when I had a big flare-up. And also the last couple of years, I developed SIBO, which is another <laughs> acronym. Small intestinal bacterial I'm full of acronyms today. Yeah. So SIBO Small
1: intestinal.
0: Bacterial overgrowth. So I I believe that about three years ago, I got this and you could tell from it's a poop thing. Okay, so I'm going to be transparent about that. If uh, I'm not going to go into detail, but it can it's the way you process food, you have the bad bacteria overgrowing in your small intestine. And I happen to have the methane heavy one, which uh, is one side of a poop problem. So it is, you know, something I got diagnosed by a gastroenterologist, I did a breath test, We did a endoscopy and colonoscopy and he was like, there's nothing to worry about, but you do have this thing. If it's not really just have fiber and if it's not affecting your life in a bad way, then live with it. So I lived with it for like a year and a half and then I was like, you know what? It is affecting my life. It's not convenient. And on top of that, I was eating not great and my stomach was all over the map and I was having horrible reflux while I was sleeping and the lower intestinal problems so I went and tried to solve that. And that's my latest quest, okay?
1: You mentioned running a bunch of tests. What were all the tests? And, and we're going to take all the time we need to, to explore this. So, you great, know, great, great, great. No, no, no need to rush. I know it's so exciting to talk about the guts. What were some of the tests?
0: Well, I went to my gastroenterologist, and he did a breath test. And that because I suspected. Now, here it is again. I suspected I had this based on looking online, other people on like a Facebook group for moms who said I had this, um, doing self, you know, just exploring what could be the problem. And so I had to, this, I think, at the end of the day, you have to be super assertive about your health, right? And don't be one of those Dr. Google people who's like, I have, you know, 15 different things. But, you know, you can bring a list of things to your doctor, like, "Hey, let's eliminate these things. These are the things that I kind of suspect, or maybe just a couple things because they're not going to have all the answers. They're busy. I did a big investigation, um, and I was like, "I think this is what I, I have." So I went to him for these lower intestinal issues, and I was like, "Here, are my issues. I want to get a colonoscopy because I feel like there's some issues here that I'm too young to have these problems and I'd love for you to help solve this. And this is something I suspect might be an issue and it was SIBO. And so he ordered a breath test. I had to pay for it myself, by the way. Mm. My insurance didn't cover it. Great. Um, A
1: breath test?
0: It's a breath test. So in order to diagnose SIBO you have these uh, things you breathe in over a fasting like five hours and then you eat something and then you breathe into someplace. so it's they're they're literally taking breaths over the test the hours that you're doing this test and analyzing how much I believe hydrogen or methane you have so on one end of the spectrum if it's like IBS type symptoms that's Uh, I believe hydrogen, I have the methane one, which is the opposite. So that's as much detail as I need to get into. You guys can look it up. It's all about your poop. So, Okay. okay. And so I have the methane heavy SIBO. And what you could do, basically the diagnosis, which comes is that if you're being treated, you do two weeks or a month of antibiotic to wipe out your flora. Completely, to get rid of the bad bacteria so that your good bacteria can flourish.
1: Is this one of these situations where you take the antibiotic and the probiotic at the same time?
0: No. I believe that, based on my understanding, or at least what my gastro and the naturopath slash I'm working with now, you take the two weeks of antibiotic and then you give your body two weeks to rest so that your natural mm. biome can regrow, and then you start supplementing with prebiotics. And probiotics because some studies I've seen on probiotics say that they're actually not helpful because everybody has different microbiome and you're introducing foreign microbiome into your body and that that might encourage you know an imbalance so anyway again not a doctor so look this up you guys yourself, and take it to your actual MD
1: do you find that when you look up symptoms online that the internet will almost always tell you that it's cancer.
0: 100%. I uh, 100% believed I've had cancer, and I have a doctor who's a father. Mm. Okay? My father's a doctor. I don't know I why see. I phrased it like that. So <laughs> I have a doctor who's a father. Father who's a doctor. Yeah,
1: he's, he's a priest Yeah, and a doctor. And
0: my and mom, yes, exactly. My, my grandmother was a nurse, and my mom was a very educated scientist slash hypochondriac. So uh, from a young age, I have been very aware that a headache could be meningitis. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm completely functional when it comes to... I am, And I have been... I noticed my, my anxiety pushes me toward hypochondria. So when I was... That was kind of my postpartum when I first had my baby. I didn't have depression. I had anxiety. And I was convinced I had 15 different problems related to my health. After the birth of my daughter, I got so many tests done. Turns out it was just hormones, trying to regulate. But I, I have hormone issues. We could talk about hormone issues all day, too.
1: Is your father a gastroenterologist?
0: No, he's a plastic surgeon. Oh, okay. Which people right. are surprised about because I have my original nose. I Believe me, I was tempted, but I didn't do it, and now it's too late. So.
1: Did he bring home samples of noses you could have from his day at the office? No,
0: but we did have a breast implant by the phone that we could play with when we were talking to any customer service so yeah it's they're very soft
1: yeah yeah no that's sort of the point what did that do to you psychologically
0: well since i have dense fibrous breasts john it really makes me feel not great about myself because my boobies are not soft and springy and liquid-like like like that and i really i got some boob envy so anyway it's Mm. fine it's a rocky i'm just have i have rocks and crags throughout my body my breasts are rocky my uterus was rocky. That's why I had to get fibroids removed in order to have a child. You know, just very craggy inside.
1: What are the main personality differences between gastroenterologists and plastic surgeons?
0: Well, plastic surgeons are uh, usually, my my father was in the military, so he did reconstructive surgery quite a bit. Mm. But he went into plastic surgery so he didn't have to deal with insurance as much because it is the bane of all medical professionals to have to deal with insurance and people not paying and things like that he wanted to be in an elective situation since he spent quite a long time during his training and service in the military doing er and emergency and reconstruction so he definitely um but he also has a very high customer service you know he's very hospitable and because it's a it's a uh you know, trust me kind of thing. And you are electing to do these things. I feel like he has a better patient um, relationship. He's very thorough. He's very conscientious in explaining things to people and all that. That's what I feel.
1: Okay. All right. And how is that? What are gastroenterologists like that's different than that?
0: You know, my gastroenterologist was very nice. But again, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people who might have I think that they're all about, I I do believe that integrative medicine, which integrates things that might not be like pharmaceutical and gastroenterology w- would be a great combo. So I think mm. my doctor, I would have appreciated it if he kind of co- contemplated the, the scientific alternative medicines or at least alternative approaches to gut healing. Because again, I have experienced some of these things. And there's a lot of woo-woo out there, but there's also a lot of things that have really helped my body that weren't assigned by him because he only deals with the straight down the, you know, medical thing, you know? And uh, like, he advised me not to treat my SIBO. He was like, well, we can, but if it's not affecting your life, I wouldn't, uh, you know, advise it. And at a, at the end of the day, it was affecting my life. And so I did my research and I did see several scientific studies that, did say that an herbal approach to getting rid of methane SIBO can be as effective as, as doing the antibiotic. So I approached, I researched, and I found someone who has very, very qualified in many scientific ways, as well as having a lot of naturopath accreditation. Now, of course, people are rolling their eyes, but that's okay. I take everything with a grain of salt as well. But I just wanted to have a path forward to be more functional and have my insights work and you know having just eat better from my gastroenterologist was not not really cutting it so mm. that's what i've been doing for the last 3 months and i will say that i feel better than i ever have before i have lost like 8 pounds which is was a byproduct but just my body is less bloated and inflamed and i can process food because my lower intestine are working and I will say that I'm very thankful for my kind of going out of the box and exploring these issues because they I I'm better I'm healthier and I feel good about myself. So I could go into detail about how that happened. All right, you want me to do that?
1: I, I think so. Yes.
0: Great. So I went to this woman, and she I I and she was very thorough. I sent her all my records to all my doctors. She looked at all of that. She even looked at my twenty three and Me and identified a couple of things that I have that were very hyperreactive to estrogen uptake, which made sense for my PMDD, which I was diagnosed with by uh, a psychiatrist, and that justified my Lexapro. PMDD is, it's extreme PMS. So after my baby, I became so incredibly sensitive to the fluctuation of my hormones every month that half the month I couldn't sleep because it drove my anxiety out, uh, off, out, you know, just spiraled. And this is why I didn't sleep after my kids started sleeping because my anxiety was so reactive and I went to my gynecologist. These I Listen, I went to all traditional medicine. Gynecologist was going to put me on birth control, a special kind, and I was like, well, that feels like more hormones. And she was like, no, okay. Uh, then she was like, because my uh, gynecologist is very good, she was like, you might be in perimenopause. I wasn't. It was just my hormones were just out of control. And because I couldn't sleep, I couldn't regulate my hormones as well. So she put me on Vitex Berry, which is a progesterone supplement. It's an herbal progesterone supplement. This is my doctor who did it. You can also go on uh, a a progesterone pill, but I said, let's try the herbal way, but let's do the progesterone. It worked. It 100% helped. Then I went to the psychiatrist because the Lexapro was given to me by my GP because he was like, well, all these symptoms are on top of what is your underlying problem, which is anxiety. So Mm -hmm. he gave me the Lexapro, but then he said, you're on a placebo dose. It's not helping. Just go off of it. I went off of it. And the placebo dose, in fact, was hugely helpful to me. So I went to a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and she did these tests and she was like, you have PMDD I'm diagnosing with that and you should be on something. And we tried three other drugs and ended up on five milligrams of Lexapro again. Um, and she told PMDD me- PMDD
1: she- is premenstrual dysphoric disorder.
0: Exactly. Thank you guys. Another acronym for you guys. So I take half a dose, I uh, have a, you know, fi- very, what, according to my male doctor is a placebo dose, but according to my female psychiatrist is not a female, uh, a placebo dose. And in my experience- Again, not a placebo dose. So that, and then she also put me on calcium supplements and vitamin D and B, which were very low. So I had some vitamin issues as well and uh, all of that. So as of that point, I'm on, all, I'm on those supplements, but I go to the naturopath and she's like, listen, we're gonna do complete blood workup. We're gonna do a poop test. We're gonna do all these things. So I did like all these tests. Turns out my microbiome is all messed up all imbalanced, Mm. confirming I have SIBO, methane SIBO, confirming I have low B. Even while I was taking a B supplement, it wasn't the right supplement. So I needed to be doing that. And then a bunch of other supplements I'm on now. I started taking like an anti-cortisol right before bed, started taking magnesium, which really helped. And then she put me on these SIBO things to kind of redo my gut lining. All right. And then I was on a very limited diet. It's called the SIBO biphase diet. It's a three-month diet, which I'm nearing the end of right now. And it's essentially a very strict, I would say, keto diet. It's protein, greens, very limited number of fruit, no legumes or beans or grains of any kind, except I added in rice because I was losing too much weight and no, and a little bit of honey, you know, so that's it. You can have coffee and tea. But if you want to look up SIBO biphase diet, it's very, very strict for like six weeks. Then you do another six weeks. And then you could start easing back in and adding things in to see where your sensitivities are. So that's what I'm doing currently. Do you have any questions?
1: How many supplements are you taking daily at this time?
0: Too many. I will say that. And I am excited to undo that. So I will take... I take a B, a D, uh, a calcium, which has some other stuff. It's like an estrogen support thing that has the calcium in it. I take the um, cortisol. And I take this thing that goes with the biphase diet, which I have to take early in the morning. It's uh, it's like a biphase. Uh, I don't know. It's helping reline my gut. I don't know. It seems to be working because I can actually have sugar now and it doesn't affect me as much. Um, and then I take what else do I? Oh, D. Did I say that? Uh, yeah. And then I'm taking hair vitamins because I have a hair problem. My hair was thinning and that's another one of the reasons I was like, I got to get on this. Ever since I had COVID last summer, my hair just fell out and it hasn't grown back very well. And so mm. as a vain face, you know, forward kind of person, I need to deal with my hair. So I do take Viviscal and Nutrafol and, you know, I'm hoping to kind of back off on that. So that is, that kind of if it wasn't for those two things... Oh, and then I take digestive enzymes. And this digestive enzyme, I will tell you, I've never had a hot dog without burping before, except taking this enzyme. So I will say that it really works. Okay? okay. So its I don't feel like it's totally too many. Uh, and most of those, I will say, were assigned by uh, medical doctors, okay? So the D, the B, the calcium, the... um. The uh, digestive enzyme was suggested by the gastro. So these are things that medical people have done, and ad- in addition to the ones that I'm taking with a naturopath. All right, I just want to reinforce that.
1: Are you into scobies like our mutual friend Neil Gaiman is?
0: I don't know what that is, but I want to be into it. What is it?
1: Oh, those are the little uh, germ things that are that have to do with uh, kombucha. Or, um, you know, if you're making your own kombucha, it's a, it's a, it stands for symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. Interesting. Well, I
0: will tell you that I hate kombucha, so can't drink it. I will, I love fermented food, but fermented food can actually be bad for some people with SIBO. And so at this time, I'm not eating fermented food. But when my SIBO is dealt with, we're going to be working on my gut. And that's going to be some probiotic, prebiotic, eating more fermented foods. And so hopefully I'll be able to kind of recover the the microflora of my intestine and stomach pretty soon.
1: So how are your guts then today?
0: Well, I will say, I will supplement this with saying that I had a back because injury. Because supplements are important. Yes, exactly. Although some sur- some studies say they're absolutely useless so I you know everything was skepticism guys everything right
1: take your daily grain of salt with all your multivitamins
0: and you need to check and see what brand you're taking I use labdoor.com that is supposed to be a independent analysis of what's actually in these supplements because you never know what people put there they're unregulated thanks to Orrin Hatch uh, because Utah I think is one of the biggest vitamin uh, states making Mm. states so He's the one who really keeps the FDA from regulating these things, which I think is criminal uh, because you don't know what's in them. And so please use uh, caution when getting supplements and go to multiple third-party evaluators. Make sure you're not just buying cheap vitamin B because, again, it could not have the the percentage that's in it. It could have, like, just other stuff. They found some meth in some, like, quote-unquote rainforest herbs one time. So please... Go to accredited places. There are a couple of um, really good companies. I'm not going to endorse any, but just do your work on uh, finding the best quality of each thing that you are carefully picking to put in your body. I mean, again, it's better to get it with food. But Mm. at the end of the day, I think our modern diet is pretty, pretty hard, especially vitamin D. We don't get enough sunshine. B, I was totally out of whack. So there are a couple that seem to be pretty common in our modern diet that are... Deficient and those deficiencies can cause some medical issues. So again, talk to your doctor.
1: There are people out there who claim that they are going to do their own research into things like COVID vaccines. And often these people are are wrong because uh-huh. it's
0: <laughs> oh, you yeah.
1: can't. How can you effectively research something like being a good self advocate for, for your health? and not go off the deep end into uh into bonkers town.
0: I mean, I believe it's really hard. Again, we are not none of us are qualified. Like we want you know, you want people who are experts and that's and unfortunately, you have to have money to do that, you know? You have to have insurance first, which a lot of us don't have, which is again, we should not be the the only one of the only countries on the planet to not offer health insurance to our people. It's absolutely bonkers. But at the same time, you know, even institutional uh, medicine is not going to help you every time. And they're not going to be perfect. They're human as well. So yeah, it's really hard not to see cancer everywhere. Uh, not to be like, I'm convinced I have this thing. But you know, uh, again, there are some preventative medicine things you should be doing every year. Blood work. Mm. Uh, mammograms, colonoscopies, those are kind of the kind of things you need to be super aggressive with. And if you have a particular problem in your life, go to your GP with it and say, hey, I'm having an issue with my lower GI, my acid reflux, headaches, have them refer you to a specialist. Again, this is the privilege of people with insurance. And I totally understand this is unrealistic for some people. So go to the expert Um, do a little bit of research, but again, it's really hard because you don't want to be the person who tells the doctor what you believe you have. Um, You could have, like, could it be SIBO? You know, could it be this? Could it be a couple of things? It's a balance between, you know, working with the doctor, um, but also coming armed with ideas, you know? Um, It's really... I have very, being from a scientific family, my grandfather was a nuclear physicist. My grandmother was a nurse. My mother has microbiology and physics You know, I've got degrees out the butthole um, for science people. So I have at least a temperature that when I'm, you know, searching something, I'm looking at actual, you know, scientific journal studies and looking at the the, you know, the sample size and trying to be educated about it. I'm sure I go wrong. I'm sure some of the stuff I'm doing is absolute BS. But again, placebo effect is a great thing. And if I'm paying $30 a month for one supplement that's not harming me, but convincing me that my body's getting better, sometimes that's all we need, right? So yeah.
1: Have you spoken to your gastroenterologists about the degrees that you have out the butthole?
0: Um, no, but he did go in my butthole and detected that I have a wheat sensitivity due to some scrapings he did. So that was kind of fun to, you know, confirm
1: that. Is that related to your lazy flap?
0: No, my lazy flap's on the top and my okay. butthole's on the bottom. I don't have I a see. flap over my butthole, thanks.
1: <laughs> lazy or motivated? No. Regardless.
0: There's no okay. flap down there. That would be messy.
1: Are guts gross?
0: No, they're fascinating. And uh, and again, I think our microbiome inside is a fascinating thing. And um, again, pl- if you do a little research, a lot of people are uh, really discovering some interesting connections between the biome in our body of the bacteria and flora that we have in there, and especially depression and anxiety. That's what first got me started on this because... My anxiety was so out of control, and I noticed that when I had anxiety, it created acid reflux. When I had acid reflux, I couldn't sleep. When I couldn't sleep, my anxiety got worse, and it was this horrible cycle of destructiveness that only was only with my intervention with my gut, however we were not, it got me out of that, it got me off the treadmill, out of the hamster wheel of just a cycle of awfulness. So yeah, sometimes the things you do might not work, Um, but at least you're being proactive and knowing that there are solutions. Sometimes, I mean, I will say that, you know, my privilege to be able to go to this naturopath and save the money to do all the tests, some of them were paid by insurance, some of them were not, but I was able to do that. I have information on my body that uh, I never had before, whether it's useful or not. It seems to be working, whatever I'm doing now. Um but it is it is it does require you identifying an issue and dis- deciding to do something about it and then knock on wood. you have the the resources and the experts at your um, availability to be able to deal with it.
1: uh you were the creator, author, and star of the audiobook Third Eye. Are gut issues part of the story of Third eye?
0: Well, I um. I think that my anxiety and depression were particularly, uh, At a, I was in 2015, I came up with a story for this project. And that was some of the worst years of my gut problems and anxiety who that were tied up together. Mm. Um, yeah, I was really battling with infertility at that time. And that was when I was just on this sort of feeling imposter syndrome and like a failure. And my depression was quite probably the worst I've ever had it. uh, Because in my mind, I wasn't the success I needed to be at the at the level I needed to be because I was the wunderkind of the internet. Why wasn't my company bigger? And that kind of fed and then I ate badly. Or I didn't eat at all sometimes. And it was yeah, it was very uh, harmful body and mind wise. So yeah, I would say that, you know, this character, Laurel, the star is a failed chosen one. And she think she's a failure because she kind of was a failure. She failed. She was supposed to beat the bad guy and she didn't. And, you know, she's lived her adult life, you know, hated by everyone. And so yeah, that sentiment definitely is the underlying issue of kind of rebuilding someone underneath. I will say also I had uh, a sinus infection the whole time while we were recording. So I re-recorded a lot to sound a little clearer. But there are Mm. scenes when I couldn't breathe, you know, I had a very stopped up nose because COVID messed with my body so badly when I got it last summer um, that I ended up getting sick like six more times that fall. Mm. Um, And every single time I got sick, I would develop a severe sinus infection. It started with COVID and then just kind of continued through the fall. So I had to be on antibiotics quite a bit. And I believe that that affected my microbiome and flora which caused my anxiety to go wild and we know this pattern exactly the SIBO so everything's connected you guys and uh yeah I don't know hopefully we would even talk about the food sensitivities like now I, I know so many things I shouldn't eat and but some of them are getting better because I'm healing my gut so I don't know I de- just getting the poison, not poison, but getting the stuff that your body doesn't like so much out of your body allows it to heal and then you could tolerate it more. I would love a pizza right now, but I'm not having it, but I will have it when I go to Europe because YOLO, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's an Im- not important pizza, factor. But
1: yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. YOLO, a pizza with a side of YOLO. Uh, yeah. So you could sprinkle it in the amounts that you need. Exactly. Felicia Day, thank you so much for sleeping with us this week, and good night.
0: Good night, guys.
1: Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about Felicia Day's guts as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned. So, if you don't mind... I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Felicia Day right now while it's fresh in my mind. 1. If you think your baby has insomnia, it might actually be teething. 2. If you don't know the rules about who goes first at a four-way stop, you are a bad person. 3. Felicia runs in circles where she can always find someone to talk about fallout with or acid reflux. 4. Don't be the kind of person who tells your doctor what you have. Let the doctor tell you. Also, be proactive. 5. If the flora of your body is messed up, that can affect your mood. 6. If you want to reboot yourself dietarily, the Kachari diet might be for you. 7. Felicia Day has a lazy flap. And 8. Everything is connected. <sighs> okay, well I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Felicia Day. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Twitter and TikTok using the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Music is provided by the Winter Bowers. This show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. And it is a production of Maximum Fun and Papuchik. I'm John Moe. Night, night. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.